Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello, and we are back again. Steve Wilson here, continuing our study in Matthew. We're in chapter 10. We did get through the first four verses in our last session, so we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 10, verse 5, see how far we get. Okay, in chapter 10, verse 5, of course, we talked about the uh, those who had been called into the uh, apostleship and so on. Um, so here he is giving them the command. In verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I'm just going to stop right there and go back and comment on uh, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Interesting that he limits their uh, their exposure. A couple different thought processes there. Um, you know, maybe he's just kind of breaking them in because clearly later on, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he gives them the great commission to, you know, go you into all the world. Um, in this case, when he first sends them out, um, he's not, he's telling them not to do that. Just go to the Jews. Um, you, you know, maybe it's just a, a, a way, his way of uh, breaking them in, you know, sending them to their own people first. And maybe that was a part of it. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily hold to that. You know, prophetically, the gospel comes from the Jews. It, it, it's that way here. Um, and interestingly, it's going to be that way during the tribulation. The reason I bring that up is because as we're starting to move into a section in Matthew that becomes very prophetic. And, and later on, you'll get some chapters that talk about the tribulation time and the... Um, and the time of the millennium, and that sort of thing. And in fact, <clears throat> just in a few verses here, there are some mentions of uh, circumstances that echo very plainly the situation during the tribulation, and we'll, we'll talk about that and why it's that way in, in a few minutes. But, but first of all, I want to address this, this commission that he's given them here. Um, and I mentioned before the Great Commission, where they're told to go to all the world. This is kind of commonly referred to as uh, the Little Commission. Um, you know, where he's telling them just, just go to the Jews. And I lean more toward the idea that um, he he wants the Jews to hear the gospel first. Um, <clears throat> for whatever reason, of course, he's, he, you know, he's omniscient. He knows everything. So he knows how they're going to respond. 
but still that opportunity to go to them first has to be given so they can reject it and then they can be taken to uh, the rest of the world. Um, and so he limits where they, uh, where they go to. They go to God's peculiar people. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing that he does that. And uh, then he begins talking later on about how they're going to be um, received or not received, you know, for whatever matter or whatever case, whatever the case might be. And, of course, this is the apostleship situation we talked about in our previous uh, previous recording. The um, the twelve are being sent out. This is just kind of that conversion from being students or disciples to becoming apostles. And so they're kind of spreading their and spreading their wings. He says, in of course, in verse seven, he says, "And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Um, just something to kind of keep in mind. There are a lot of terms in the Bible that people tend to um, misinterpret because they, they, they kind of run them together. And, and one of those is uh, like this thing about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Uh, another one is the family of God and the church. And people get confused thinking they mean the same thing and they don't. Uh, but here, the kingdom of heaven refers to a spiritual kingdom um, that is coming. Technically, it's it's already there. That's why he says it's at hand. Um, elements of it have already been revealed. Obviously, the birth of Christ and in uh, the Christmas story and all that. So it's already underway. And so that's why he's telling them to go and share this message with people. The uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is is at hand. It's time to turn to the Messiah, recognize who he is, and receive him as as the Savior of all mankind. Um, so he's telling them to go out and preach that gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God, of course, refers to an earthly kingdom. Um, it's the things that God created. God, you know, ultimately is in control of all things. I know Satan has been given power, and he's called the prince in the power of the air, so he has rule over the elements of creation, but he doesn't rule creation. God rules creation, and and, and, you know, this, everything that's here is, is actually part of the kingdom of God because it's his hand that created it and made it. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> the, you know, that's the difference between the two. So he's telling me to go out, tell them, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's time you recognize the Messiah for who he is. Um, and he says, then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Um, so we mentioned before, you know, that he had given them the ability to do that sort of thing. And so, you know, here's the command that he tells them, go out and use this ability for whatever purpose. And again, I want to reiterate that this is not used to draw attention to the man. It's not used to draw attention to the physical healing. It's just, it's a reinforcement of the gospel. It's to show that God has the power because people people see that someone has power over the physical, then it's a whole lot easier to accept the fact that they have power over the spiritual. So, and he doesn't say, you know, it's at your discretion. He says, freely give wherever it's needed. Anytime the necessity is there, 
um, give it. He says, just as I've given to you the ability to do that, then you need to give to others the result of that ability. So, so share it and uh, and pray with people, heal, and and that sort of thing. So that's what was being done here in these New Testament days. Verse nine, he says, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Now these are these are two verses. I mean that that go together, um, and, and yet you know they're they're to be applied with some common sense because you know and in the way that you look at them, it looks like they're contradicting one another. When he says, "Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse." But then he says, no script for your journey, neither, co neither coats and shoes nor at stage for the work was worthy of his meat. Uh, when he says the workman is worthy of his meat, he's saying when you go into these towns, and, and he talks about that a little more. Well, I'll just read a couple more verses. Into whatever city you, or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go home. And when you come into an house, salute the house. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. Be not worthy. Let your peace let uh, let your peace return to you. So he's saying, when you go into a town, people have the responsibility to help you. People have a responsibility to support you. But on the other hand, he's saying, don't worry about the gold or the silver, or the brass. If he tells them not to take it to start with, he's not telling them to compile it as they go. He's just telling them to find people that are willing to provide your needs. See, God, what happens is, you know, God has always promised to provide our needs. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there because, I, you know, I'm not afraid to call names. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, is he, he's already stated that he has a desire to be the first uh, evangelist billionaire. Uh, he's approaching that level now. And it's all from money that people have given. I, I can't see godliness in that. Say what you want. It's a violation of this passage right here. Um, God says, look, I'm going to provide your need. And, and it's okay to for, if people want to give you the things you need and want to provide for you because he clearly says here, if you go to a, a house and it's worthy, you know, stay there and let them take care of you while you're there. But he's not saying clean out the house and take it with you when you go. Um I don't think amassing riches is a part of the gospel command. I've got nothing against people having, you know, a considerable sum of money, but but how much is enough? There's, there's, you know, that that goes in any part of life. A person only needs so much money. He doesn't. There's a certain point where you just you just don't need any more money. And to be flying, you know, I have a fleet of jets and cars and other types of uh, vehicles and that sort of thing. It just I think it flies in the face of the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus never had that. His apostles never had that. Nor was it ever his purpose for them to have the things that some of these people have today. Um, and and when you, you, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not particular about where they go and where they share the gospel. And, you know, nor should we be, backward about sharing the gospel to anybody that's willing to hear it, but he he also tells them, you know, when you go someplace and, uh, it, you know, they're they're not receptive to the gospel, there comes a time when you just move on and leave them to their 
and, you know, to their own rewards. And verse 14, And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of judgment than for that city. You know, Christianity, even though it's offered to everybody, anybody can receive it, and it's, you know, not God's will that any should perish. The fact is, people do reject it, and the fact is that there's a point when God says, okay, you've made your decision. Now you're going to have to pay the, the consequences. And there's a point when we have to just do that, you know, share the gospel, tell people, look, here's the way it is. You need to come to Christ, but if, if you're not going to, this is the result. And you need to turn and invest your time somewhere else. I mean, there's a point where, you know, when you're spinning your wheels, you're you're not being fair to the people that are receptive. So, you know, try to focus your mission uh, and your ministry on people who just might actually respond to it in a positive way. <clears throat> um you know, and he talks about, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know the story of how the, those cities were ultimately destroyed by God, totally destroyed by God. And it's hard to imagine a punishment worse than that. But, you know, he's saying the day's going to come when, you know, when people die, that you're going to spend an eternity in hell. People don't want to preach that stuff anymore because people don't want to hear it. You know, people have this idea that everybody's going to go to heaven if they're just, you know, if they're good people. They're kind to their neighbor and do some benevolent deeds during the course of their life that, you know, they're going to end up in heaven. And I hear, so all, I don't think I've ever done a funeral. But what somebody hasn't said, well, they're in a better place now. Well, they're not always in a better place. They're in a much worse place. You know, there's a saying that says, if you're a Christian... Um, this life is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. If you're not a Christian, then this life is the closest thing to heaven that you're ever going to know. And that's that's just true. It's just a, it's just a statement of fact. Hell is a terrible place. Um, and and we have friends and loved ones that are going there. Or if somebody hears this this audio and and you know realizes that they've never put their uh, turned their life over to Jesus Christ then I got bad news for you. You're going to spend an eternity in hell, and spending an eternity in, that, in a place like that is a whole lot worse than what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah because those were just cities and the people burned up and died. Um, but this is something that's going to be an eternal torment forever. Now, in verse 16, I've only got a minute or so to, to kind of cover this, so I'm going to be brief, but... He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, be ye therefore wise as ser serpents, harmless as doves. Uh, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Um, and maybe we'll just pick up in verse 19 next time. But just let me leave you with this thought. In Matthew... Um, like I said before, there's a lot of pro prophecy in Matthew, but it comes across kind of, I believe, the way the Psalms do when they, you know, make David a type of Christ. And many of the things that are referred to in David's life are prophetic statements. Well, these things did happen to David, and they did describe David, but they also describe Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things in Matthew that are descriptive of of the end times that also are descriptive of the 
descriptive of the current times, but you know, they, they then they come across, of course, in a very different sense. So maybe we'll pick up next time and talking about that, going to it in a little more depth. But uh, I'm over my time right now, so I'm going to sign off, and I I pray that um, this has been of benefit to you. Um, goodbye and God bless.